Okay, folks, welcome to our first Biomass game spotlight. And uh, we are going to be reviewing Shadowrun Dragonfall tonight. And I've got with me my, uh, uh, as always, my partners in crime, uh, Pokey and Zell. Uh, if you guys mind doing a quick intro. Yeah, sure. I'm Pokey Draven. Um, obviously a co-host here on the Biomass podcast. I, I do the, the weekly podcast and I write for the blog as well. But looking forward to trying out this new spotlight. And I think it's going to be fun for everybody. Absolutely, Zell. Um, I'm Sarai Zell. Um, I'm a co-host on the show and a uh, editor on the blog. Um, I had just just the briefest amount of time to try the game before uh, we we did this, but uh, good impressions. Just not quite um, haven't enough time to really get into the meat of it yet. All right, cool. And I'm Jason Larison. I'm also one of the co-hosts on the Normal Weekly Biomast podcast, where we normally uh, talk primarily about uh, CCP products, things like uh, Dust514, Eve, uh, Valkyrie, Gunjack, things like that. Uh, but we've been we've been sort of branching out to some other properties and stuff in terms of the gaming world. Uh, be that some Oculus Rift VR stuff that we that we may end up doing another spotlight on in the future. And occasionally we dip into some more pop culture stuff with uh, everybody's favorite uh, comic book movie, The In Waiting, aka the Deadpool movie. Uh, but what we wanted to do was kind of open this up and and actually turn a spotlight, you know, figuratively and literally, on some properties or some things that that really caught our eye as uh, as hosts on the Biomass podcast or things that our listeners have brought to us and asked us to look into. Uh, so we decided that we would do these short kind of one-offs, probably about a twenty to twenty-five minute episode, kind of a mini-sode uh, that is separate from our weekly show, and we're going to target certain things. Uh, be they specific games that we wanted to look at or pieces of hardware or maybe even perhaps things like Gamescom, Comic-Con, uh, you know, specific events. One of the other things we found is because we have a lot of listeners that operate in, you know, multiple time zones, uh, particularly the EU and in the Australian time zone, since uh, Pokey and uh, Zell and I are all pretty much spread out across U.S. time zones. Sometimes we have a hard time getting guests on that we really want to have on uh, to talk about certain specific facets. So that's one of the other things we're going to be using the spotlight for is uh, specific interviews, so to speak, with uh, game developers or game community members for certain products and things like that that we want to have a chat with and maybe introduce to our, our listeners out there. So uh, kind of without further ado, uh, I'll break break us into a little bit about what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about a game called Shadowrun Dragonfall. It is uh, a turn-based tactical, uh, tactical game. It's, I was first introduced to it on a, a tablet with a game called Shadowrun Returns, also made by a company uh, named Harebrain Schemes, or HBS for short. Uh, Harebrain Schemes uh, owns the property of uh, Shadowrun, which started out as a tabletop game back in, I think, 1989. And the, one of the, the owner of the company, a developer by the name of Jordan Wiseman, uh, he, he has touched quite a few properties, gaming properties, both tabletop and digital, uh, things like MechWarrior, Battletech. The old, Mech, the old uh, Battletech sims, like the whole, you know, almost like, uh, you know, sit-in and ride-in kind of things you probably saw or heard about when you were growing up. Uh, these full-blown mock-ups that you were you know, piloting a mech in. Uh, there, he's into a ton of stuff, and interestingly enough, he's one of the, you know, kind of the uh, developers originally of the, of the Shadowrun property. So fast forward up to current day here in 20, 2015, 
and the game had for a lot of intents and purposes like the property itself it kind of had some ebbs and flows and going to different owners and things like that but there had always been a, a fairly strong niche community that, that kept it alive even if it wasn't being published well it's being published again now and uh, HBS has really taken up the torch and they've reintroduced the Shadowrun IP, which is a very interesting kind of collage of high fantasy and cyberpunk science fiction. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I was a little skeptical when I first heard of this, you know, back when I was a kid looking at, at it as a tabletop RPG. But long story short, uh, they, they have very masterfully done a, a kludge of trolls, orcs, elves, and magic with... Uh, cyber technology, almost Tron, like jacking into the matrix or, or the web, the grid, if you will. Um, people with a little cybernetic enhancements, you know, spies, the whole thing. Uh, and it burgeoned out of a very role play centric uh, tabletop gaming scene to what we found as a pretty interesting turn-based tactical, uh, tactical RPG. So uh, that's what kind of started our discussion. We talked a little bit about on our weekly podcast this week, and we decided we, we we thought there was enough there with the game. It was it caught our eye enough that we really wanted to do this spotlight. And this is one of the things that actually spurred us to to start this uh, uh, sort of you know paradigm shift on terms of how we want to deliver some content to folks. So a little bit about how we're going to do this. Uh, I've explained a little bit about uh, the Shadowrun sort of IP. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we talk about the game. But we're going to use a very basic kind of construct when we do game reviews, and it'll basically follow around four basic four facets: uh, the gameplay, you know, which is pretty much the mechanics or how it, you know how it sort of works in the minute-to-minute play; the feel of the game, which is everything from the visual, the audio, the soundtrack, um, how it sort of brings you into or immerses you into the game; the story of the game, if it has one or if it's even meant to have one. Uh, and the quality and depth of that. And then kind of finally, one of the things we really wanted to talk about was the value. Uh, and this is one where it's much more subjective between whoever's doing the review. So it may be a $3 game you can get on a tablet, or it could be a $60 game you get at your local GameStop. Uh, but it's really about the you know how we viewed the value of the game to kind of the individual player. And that'll sort of lead us up to base, you know, a, a fairly basic, you know, star, you know, a one through five star uh you know, overall rating and some general impressions. So without further ado, uh, Pokey Draven and I actually played through the game uh, pretty much for the most part. Uh, and I've actually played through about 1.5 times trying some different builds and things like that because there's numerous uh, archetypes and classes and racial t- racial types that you can get into. Uh, and as Zell mentioned earlier, he played a little bit, you know, he was able to play it today basically and to get kind of the, his initial taste of it. Uh, so primarily it'd be Pokey and I kind of having a discussion about it. Uh, what I'd like to do is kind of open it up and Pokey, I just kind of wanted to ask you, what was your, your general overall thoughts, uh, about Shadowrun Dragonfall? Well, I come from a background where I, I, I would say that cyberpunk is probably my favorite genre for a, a fantasy setting. So I, I'm a bit biased in that regard and that I, I absolutely fell in love with the setting of the game. I, I love the, you know, kind of dark dystopian future where everyone's augmented with, you know, various uh, cybernetic enhancements and whatnot. Um, and, and the world is feels a bit broken in a way because it's it's, it's just it's a whole mix of things and the, the world's kind of gone off in this, this darker uh, yet technologically advanced path. So in, in that regard, I, I got that vibe right away. Um, you you start the 
the first mission, and I think within five seconds they're talking about you know hacking into um, machines and whatnot using their 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 data jacks and whatnot. It's it's it really sets the tone, and I, I fell in love with it pretty much from the start because of that. In terms of gameplay, I've always been a huge fan of um, turn-based strategy, particularly kind of like the Final Fantasy Tactics uh, type game. And I've heard that XCOM is also very similar to this game. And so in that regard, it's it's something I, I also enjoyed, kind of the using cover and moving around in different classes, using abilities and, and, and synergy and whatnot. And it was, you know, in, in, from the very base level, it's something I liked in a lot of different facets. So, you know, it, it, it's got a very good foundation of those of your your kind of preferred things you see in the game. Yeah, I, I had a very similar outlook. I was I'm very familiar with the uh, you know kind of the IP itself, having been a Shadowrun fan for a long time. Uh, one of the things I found uh, in terms of how Dragonfall kind of kind of works is it, it does remind me a lot of XCOM. Uh, and again, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of kind of those tactical. Uh, turn-based t- type of games where you can kind of think through it. It's like a, a very advanced form of chess. You know, I know that's kind of probably a horrible analogy, but it. I thought in the minute-to-minute gameplay, uh, it was very intuitive. Uh, it could be it, like the the big thing I walked away from this in terms of the actual how do you play the game and kind of like I said, the you know the minute-to-minute fun factor. You can you can be as thoughtful and strategic as you want to be, or as kind of you know clicky and fast paced as you want to be you can you can really it really is up to the player about how deep they want to get into it but i personally found that uh, they did a really good job of blending a lot of this stuff from the shadow run universe in terms of how the different racial types work and how the different uh classes work into the game mechanics there there's i haven't really found anything that doesn't work or isn't usable uh in the game. So for example, you, you have the basic uh, racial types of human, orc, troll, and elf, uh, and dwarf. So kind of the five standard fantasy racial types, right? And they all have kind of your normal thing, like orcs and trolls tend to be bigger, higher constitution or, or you know, physicality, so to speak, uh, kind of clear, you know, usually uh, take a hit on something like charisma or their, you know, maybe intelligence factor. And you have kind of your normal base stats that you see in a lot of these RPG games. You know, elves tend to be higher charisma, faster, that kind of stuff. Dwarves, higher willpower, and humans tend to be middle of the road, but you get usually some more starting out options. So from that angle, it gives you some interesting flavor. Again, very much like a lot of fantasy RPGs. Uh, what they what it blends nicely into is the kind of the archetypes that you can use or, or the classes that you use, which is kind of your your combat specialist or your street samurai as they refer to it, uh, the mage. And there's kind of two variations of that. There's kind of the classic you know wizard style, if you will, and then there's a more uh, shaman, uh, shaman, if you will, that has an animal totem or a, kind of an ideal totem that gives them certain powers and they can summon creatures and pets and stuff like that. Uh, then you've got the Decker, you know, aka the Hacker. That's your classic sort of William Gibson, uh, you know, Cybermancer. He jacks into the Matrix, uh, a Tron-like world, for kind of lack of lack of better term, uh, where you have a physical representation in that world, and you're doing actions, usually 
uh, supporting your team that's in the real world. So you're unlocking doors for them. You're fighting security systems and you know gathering data or reconnaissance for them. While the the team that's live, you know, quote unquote live, uh, they're the ones who are working their way through a mission or a game building or whatever. Um, so I, generally, I thought it was pretty good. Now they also have kind of you know a rigor class, which kind of goes sort of with the the decker, and then that's the guy that controls. Uh, sort of cybernetic or robotic pets, if you will. Riggers in the actual uh, Shadowrun tabletop game, uh, they are more about vehicle operators. It's sort of like you jack into the vehicle or, you know, like the the armored personnel carrier or the, the getaway car, and that's how you drive. You're the you're effectively the vehicle operator. And you can also use drones. What it really highlights in, in this game is really more the drone-style rigger uh, which works pretty well for what they do because you get a lot of different options uh, in terms of what you can do. And all the racial types work well or, or can work well with all of the archetypes. You're not really uh, – the one thing I thought about the game is you don't really get driven to a min-max because you can kind of do you, – you can be successful with whatever you want to do, but you have to be a little bit creative. It, is, is that kind of a fair statement, Pokey? Yeah, I mean, when we say classes, it's in a very um, broad sense, and that you, you you select a class you start as, but that really just determines your your base stats and skills you have trained, and you actually have the option to kind of branch out and spread from there. Um, I, I would say it's similar, almost in a way to like a Fallout style, where you you start off with certain abilities, but then if you decide to change your mind later, you can certainly do so. You you may not min max it, but you do have the ability to kind of branch out and expand and, and develop your character um, as you see fit. I mean, you may start as you know one class and decide ah, this isn't really working for me, and then start putting your points into something else later later down the line, and it gives you more options later. And I, I do enjoy that because it makes it a little less terrifying for new players because you'll often approach these games and you're like, oh, I have to pick the right class and I have to spend every point perfectly or I'm going to be screwed. And I think this kind of it gives a little uh, freedom in that regard that you, you don't feel trapped in the class. You can actually branch out if you want. Yeah, no, I, I th- like I said, I thought they did a good job of bringing that to the table. There's nothing that's, you know, kind of the clear answer to all your all your, your tactical problems in the game. Um, from kind of the combat, which is kind of the meat and potatoes of it, uh, again, if you've played Final Fantasy Tactics or you've played, um, you know, XCOM, you, you will have a very good idea of how this works. It is a cover-based system. Uh, you have action points that you move, and different characters can have different levels of action points. Uh, you have any number of different actions that you can use from casting spell, using a piece of tech, or you know, firing a weapon or whatever. Uh, so it works very cleanly, and and. and you know, let me be clear. What I'm about to say is not a knock. It's actually, uh, I think, you know, a pretty good compliment. There's nothing innovative about the gameplay itself. However, what they've, what I think, uh, Hairbrain Schemes has done very well with the Shadowrun series so far is that they've taken really positive and well-working elements from other games and blended them together really nicely. They've, they've woven together a very, um, a very elegant combat system for a turn-based game. Uh, that kind of gets to highlight and showcase what you know, sort of the Shadowrun property can do in terms of you know it, the different things you can bring to the table in a situation. Um, the other thing I would offer is that outside of the combat mechanic, it, it's got a really really interesting, um, and we'll talk a, about this a little more when we talk about the story. But the non-combat options in terms of your conversational choices do have impact in the game, and, and it and it will let you drive to different ways to solve problems where 
you know, like I was, uh, I had spun up a really high charisma character that had a lot of uh, skills, kind of a face man character. And just to see how much I could do or how far I can get in the game or what advantages I could get through the conversation system. And, and what I found, what I found out is that you can definitely advantage yourself if you wanted to go that route and with that style of play versus, you know, kind of your classic, just, you know, uber augmented, you know, combat character kind of thing. Uh, so you get a lot of different options. And I think I, I kind of refer to that as sort of the, you know, the soft gameplay side of it. I thought that the conversation system was, you know, kind of reminiscent of, you know, the original Mass Effect, which I thought was a, a pretty good thing. Uh, and you get a lot of different options in terms of your skills. Like if you can skill into certain etiquettes or like, hey, I have skills in the corporate world or the street level or the academic world, you get a lot of interesting conversation options that can give you advantages that will directly lead to combat advantages. So I, I thought from, like I said, a gameplay standpoint, a really solid combat system and a surprisingly well done kind of soft uh, you know, soft interaction system through uh, the conversation system, which I which I thought was actually quite deep, by the way, for you know for you know a fifteen dollars Steam game. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean we'll we'll get to that with the the value, but I mean in regards to the, the production quality, it's it's surprising and refreshing on how good it is. Yeah, I mean, did you play around with uh, different options in the kind of the conversational gameplay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I've, I've played Fallout before, and that's actually uh, typically a pretty, a pretty big factor in, in dealing with other characters and your charisma and whatnot, and, and having that affect the gameplay. And it, it is interesting because you kind of have to tailor what you say to the various characters. What may work for one character certainly will not work for the others because they have different personalities. And so, in, in that regard, if you're going to kind of approach the game from that standpoint, it's actually worth your time to kind of get to know the NPCs because it, it will work to your advantage if you take the time to to actually explore that part of the gameplay. You know that that brings up a really good point. The uh, so you know Dragonfall is uh, you know it is a single player game. It is not a multiplayer option, uh, but you do get a part. You know you you get a, your own little team of shadow runners. Okay. Uh, and, and as Pokey noted, the, the, I thought the NPC, that's one of the things that I think caught me in terms of the gameplay. The NPCs are, are really, really well fleshed out. Uh, and if you do take the time to go down the conversation trees, you find that they have some pretty engaging kind of backstories that actually will lead you to other mission content, uh, which can give you some pretty, pretty neat advantages like tangible benefits in terms of the, the development or the progression of the NPCs. Uh, you know their their you know their capabilities and skill sets. So I I, th I thought that was good. And this is probably a good point to, to have a quick discussion about how you level up. Um, like most RPGs, there's a leveling system. As you go through, you, you don't really gain XP. You gain this thing called karma, which is effectively your your skill you know your experience points, uh, and you use that to level yourself. But your party levels as well, and it works out to about every other major mission, you get an op, you know, you get an option to level your party. So what they've done is they basically have uh, a, like two tracks, like you'll have uh, one of the combat characters, I think has a, um, like a sniper track or a close combat track. So you can select and you're not locked into the track either, which is a really neat thing. It's very much like how you, your, your main character works. You're not locked into either track, but along that skill track, if you want uh, like one of the combat characters, to be a, you know, this one particular, you know, female troll, like uh, mercenary, 
she can be become an incredibly effective sniper specialist, long range combat specialist, or she can become a really, really lethal uh, close combat specialist, like, you know, shotgunner kind of, kind of player, or you can kind of mix and match in between the two to kind of give you some more tactical options. And all of the NPCs in the party do this. Uh, and they can give you some pretty, pretty wide variety of, of options that you can, you can bring to the table. And I think this actually goes a long way to, uh, my comment about I, there's no build that is necessarily wrong at, for, for the character you build uh, because you can use your party to shore up any anything that you need uh, for any given mission set, so to speak. So from that aspect, I thought it was very well thought out in terms of how it plays out. So you're not really disadvantaged and, and you can be rewarded pretty well for thinking through how you want to develop not only yourself, but really your NPC party. Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty fair, and that they they give you NPCs which are going to cover your your main bases pretty much. So it gives you the freedom to actually kind of do your own thing and not feel like you're you're locked into a particular position you need, you need to fill because your team doesn't fill it. So I, I think in that regard, it's it's really well thought out. Another thing that might be worth noting, kind of just in the gameplay and the experience in general, is that the the scale of depth. In that, I felt like. I was new to the series. I mean, I've I've really had nothing to do with the Shadowrun series until now. But I came in, I found it very approachable. The gameplay was approachable. The story was approachable. But I also felt like if I wanted to, I had the option to dive really deep into those various elements if I wanted to. But I wasn't punished for for not doing so either. I could kind of just do a a very you know basic you know, we'll call it a shallow run of the game. And still feel effective, and, th- and that goes in terms of story and in, in the gameplay as well. I mean, the the leveling system is very robust, but if you just want to go with something very simple, very combat oriented, you can. It's very straightforward, easy, good for a first time player. Or you can do something more like like Jason was saying, like the, the the charisma build, and you can talk your way into various situations or out of them in some regards. Um, and, and so, in that regard, I really appreciate that it, it does appeal, I think, to a wide range of players who may may or may not be interested in you know a very deep level of gameplay or they just want something they don't have to think about very hard and can still get good enjoyment out of it yep so I, and i i think you know so i think we had a similar outlook in terms of the the gameplay quality which i i, I personally found to be very high and i thought it was a, a like i said very very well done I, di- I didn't see any any critical flaws in in any of the execution of the gameplay uh from kind of a feel standpoint you know from uh you know, the audio, uh, like the general audio quality, the I, by the way, I f- thought the soundtrack was excellent, uh, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, the audio was good. It, it was certainly not, it, it, there was certainly nothing wrong with it. Thought standout was the, uh, some of the soundtrack work on it was pretty good. Uh, they don't do any, there's no voiceovers in the game. So it's all kind of text-based. It's, it's very reminiscent of a, uh, of, you know, kind of the old Forgotten Realms style RPGs that uh, Wizards of the Coast, you know, i.e. Dungeons and Dragons used to put out, you know, very, very text-based, um, you know, some mood music, you know, and really, you know, some pretty good uh, sound effects kind of stuff during the during the gameplay, like during combat. Uh, the only thing I, I kind of wish it had was maybe voices, you know, like some voice stuff. Um, that being said, the, the visuals of it, I thought were really well done. Uh, very, very, very solid. I kind of zoom way in sometimes just to kind of get a feel for how the visuals look in the game. Really sharp, really crisp. Uh, it is, it's, you know, it's not designed to run, you know, uber high HD graphics and stuff like that. You can run this thing on almost anything. And in fact, I 
you might be able to run it on a tablet, but it's, I, I thought the look and the feel were pretty solid. You know, very, it, it allowed you to be immersed in the game. Yeah, it has a very distinctive uh, painted feel to it, which I think you see a lot in, in indie games, and it's something I enjoy. And it looks very smooth and very enjoyable to look at, despite being um, lower end on the, the you know the processing demand. So you know it's 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 certainly enjoyable. You can tell that it's it's designed to feel kind of like a tabletop game, even though it's a computer game. So I I, I really did enjoy the visuals as well. Yeah. So now uh, we've talked a little bit about it or pointed to it in a couple of places, but what did you like? What are your impressions of kind of the storyline or the, you know, kind of the, the lore aspect that they embedded in the game? Well, like I said before, I, they, they certainly hit the cyberpunk dystopian feel right away um, from the visuals to the music to just what the characters are talking about or what they're doing. You kind of get that feel pretty much immediately. So in that regard, if, if you enjoy those those kinds of settings and in, in, in lore and whatnot, it's, it's going to work for you right away. Um, I felt engaged immediately, which is... Uh, a point that I think a lot of games sometimes fail on. They, they get a little stuck in setting up exposition rather than just showing you what the universe is. And I, and like I said, coming from a position of never playing a Shadowrun game before, I was easily able to pick up the feel and the lore very quickly because it, without reading through you know, a lot of exposition, they actually deliver it in a way which is easy to understand and approachable. So in, in that regard, from a new player aspect, um, it's, it's very good. Yeah, I, I had I had a very similar uh, similar take on it. Now I've actually read quite a few of their you know their background novels and stuff like that, the actual like fiction work that they officially put out. Uh, and, and I would offer that the storytelling in the game, like if you if you it's again it's not that dissimilar from Mass Effect. If you if you actually take the time to read uh, the story and kind of enjoy it as part of the gameplay. It is it is a surprisingly complex story. It, it, there are some plot twists here and there. Uh, you can cycle through them, like you said, very quick, sort of like you know, mindless, quick fun. But if you really get into it, yeah, you're you, you can have a, a pretty deep story experience. And like I said, if you if you talk with the NPCs and really engage the NPCs, you can uh, you can get quite a bit of additional content out of it. So, uh, you know, overall, when I took a, took a look at the game, I thought. Uh, from a value perspective, and this is kind of how I viewed value. Uh, you know, how much does it cost? What's you know, what's the play time, and, and kind of what's the playability, or how often can I play this? How often would I enjoy playing this again? You know, if I kept it in my Steam library, and you know, six months from now come back, um, I, I would offer that for a fifteen dollars Steam game, it, it is a very very high value, uh, and and I would not hesitate to recommend it to somebody. Uh, in terms of replayability, I think if you enjoy the the setting and you enjoy kind of um, you getting into it, the story won't be fresh for you. But experimenting with different things and different ways to go through the game could be pretty fun if that's something you're inter- interested in. So I would give it like a moderate replayability because uh, you know kind of once you go through it, you got the story and you understand kind of you know, the steps of what you have to do. Then it's more about hey, what are fun styles of gameplay for you? So from that aspect, you know, moderate moderate replay capability, but the value for the quality of game you get and the depth of the story that you get, um, very high for you know, like I said, for a fifteen dollars Steam game. 
Yeah, I mean, my general rule is I want to get one hour of gameplay, of enjoyable gameplay for every dollar I spend on a game. And in this game, by far, blows out of the water. There's an immense amount of content for the price. Um, so in that regard, it's it's extremely high value. And, and you, you pretty much nailed it on the head when you said that the story is, is going to obviously be repetitive once you've done it once because you know how it works. But in terms of the builds and in the, the depth of character development, the gameplay can vary drastically depending on how you build your character and what kind of combinations of skills and stats you give it. And I, I believe there's difficulty levels as well, if I recall. So, I mean, if you want to, you know, go through again and ramp up the difficulty and, and try something new, you can, you know, challenge yourself in that regard. So I think in terms of, of actually exploring, you know, if you don't mind repeating the story, exploring how the gameplay actually plays out on a, on a battle-to-battle basis, um, you, there's actually pretty good rate, uh, replayability. So I'll probably go with Jay, and it's probably moderate to high, depending on what you consider um, valuable in terms of a replay. Yeah, I mean, so take, taking all that into account, and this is, you know, for me, I, I would, uh, I would, I would probably give this a five star in terms of, you know, its overall score for, you know, for me. And that takes into account, you know, quality, uh, the story, just kind of the feel of it. uh, The value, I think, is what really put me over the edge for, you know, from like a four star game to a five star game, in all honesty, though, Uh, because it does a lot of things well. It doesn't really do anything bad and there's no glaring errors to it. Uh, And it it touches a lot of a lot of good chords with me. Uh, but the value is really, really tough to beat, and I, and I think that's what put it over the top to make it a five-star game for me. So I would, without hesitation, I, that's that's my score, and that's what I would recommend it as. Yeah, for me, I'd probably go somewhere around like a four and a half out of five, um, just because it's it's a really good value. I wouldn't consider it a perfect game. It, it certainly has its small flaws, which which leads me to not give it a perfect score, but it, it's definitely worth it. If, if you like mm-hmm. cyberpunk, if you like tactics games, give it a shot. It, it's going to be worth your time and money. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing I, I did want to note, uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier, this is actually kind of part two in a series. So there was a game, uh, I think it's about 18, maybe 24 months ago, like so about two years ago called Shadowrun Returns. That was a, a tablet game primarily. Uh, done very much in the same same scheme as this game did very well uh had an incredibly uh an incredibly successful kickstarter uh, and that's something we probably want to talk about at some point later you know in a future show like the you know hairbrain schemes has clearly mastered the use of the kickstarter and uh and how they community fund fund games um Shadowrun Dragonfall is effectively an expansion from Shadowrun Returns but it really feels more like a sequel it's it is that that quality uh, and, and it's that big, so to speak. Now, uh, one thing that we did want to point out, and this is one of the, again, one of the factors that kind of, you know, spurred us to want to have a spotlight it, spotlight on it. As, you know, as we went through the playthrough of uh, Shadowrun, Shadowrun Dragonfall, found out that Hairbrain Screams, you know, for a while has been working on Shadowrun Hong Kong, which is effectively the next iteration of this game. And from what I can tell, it looks as sharp in fact it looks better uh than what we played in terms of dragonfall so i'm eagerly awaiting uh shadow run hong kong to drop on steam and my understanding is that it will hit steam on the 20th of august so about a week and a half from now from the time of this recording uh that game's going to go on and so i'm already looking to queue that into uh into my steam library and and take a look at it uh, and I'll be interested to come back and talk to you guys uh, and let you know my impressions of that. But from what I can tell, they have made three very good, you know, Shadowrun Returns was a very solid initial entry 
great expansion slash sequel with Dragonfall. And all of the indications that I've seen so far is that they're going to continue to uh, to up the bar with Shadowrun Hong Kong, from what I can tell. So that that will probably be a fun one that we may want to take a look at in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting more into the the franchise in general. It's it's certainly piqued my interest with this, and I look forward to getting more. All right. So, well, folks, that concludes our first Biomass uh, game spotlight. Uh, for Shadowrun Dragonfall. And I think our official score uh, by Sarizel, who's who's our scorekeeper, is a 4.5 out of 5. So just so you guys are tracking, we don't really do averaging. We kind of we work to a lowest common denominator, uh, and then we adjudicate from there. Uh, since we both had uh, pretty favorable impressions of 4.5 out of 5 stars for Shadowrun Dragonfall. So, folks, we really appreciate this. And, and again, if you like it, please let us know. Uh, give us some feedback on the biomass.com website. You can hit us up there uh, through the contact page, or you can hit us up on Twitter at uh, Jason Larison uh, on Twitter, or at Pokey Draven on Twitter, or at Sarizel on no OCD Trekkie. Excuse me, I always get that wrong for you, for you Zell. At OCD Trekkie on uh, on Twitter. Uh, all your feedback is, is very welcome. And if there's properties that you want us to take a look at and do a review or maybe even a preview of, uh, please take a, take a look and let us know. Some of the things we're looking at in the future are uh, some of the PS4 games that are going to be coming out. Uh, Pokey and I are kind of salivating over the Division uh, Ubisoft game look coming out. Uh, Zell is a Star, C- Star Citizen aficionado, so we'll be looking for him for uh, some updates in the, in the future. Uh, and there's quite a few other things on the horizon that we want to probably touch on in the not only the, the console market, but the PC market as well. And I am a, a purveyor of tablet games, so that may be one we throw in there. And as we mentioned earlier, and, I, and I'm not going to end the, sh- end the show without, without saying it, I'm sure we're going to do a spotlight on the Deadpool movie come sometime around February of 16. So with that, guys, we really appreciate everybody listening. And again, uh, thank you for tuning in to Biomast Spotlights. Thank you.